you'd turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as we turn our attention to the scriptures tonight, and a study that I've entitled, Building God's Way. Now, I want to remind you that uh, this is really a continuation uh, that we saw from last time, and that is that we are constantly maturing as Christians, uh, that there should be and always is in someone who's really genuinely walking with the Lord, uh, since that we get a little bit better uh, with the Lord Jesus every single day. And ultimately, that leads to us building God's kingdom. Now, the kingdom is made out of building blocks, and those building blocks are every last one of us who knows the Lord. And so in that sense... We are building our own lives personally, and then we are building the church corporately. That would include a body of believers such as we are here at Calvary Chapel South Bay, and more importantly, that would be the entire body of Christ throughout the entire world. And so in building God's way, we want to make sure that we're building on the foundation, and that foundation is laid out for us, that we're in that constantly maturing life that we're taking in meat and not relying on milk, that we've given up our binkies from being spiritual babies, and we're willing to to chew on a good piece of spiritual steak every once in a while, which is the word, and that ultimately we're building this godly mansion instead instead of some fleshly shack. And so we'll pick up in verse... Uh, 10 tonight, really from uh, the middle of verse 9, but would you pray with me? Father, we thank you first for the victory in Sacramento. Lord, there's still one more assembly bill that concerns us, and we ask, God, that you would save us from the unrighteousness that has invaded the state and really our nation and our world. Uh, Lord, we realize that you're a holy God, and we want to live holy lives. And so, Lord, Uh, Thank you for the victory of yesterday, and we pray now tonight as we read your word uh, that we would grow from it. Encourage your church, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So the middle of verse 9 says, you are God's building. So the context is clear, that, that we are really the building of the Lord. He is what we are concerned about. And he who began that good work in you, in us, will be and is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So the building that's in view begins with you and me, it begins with us individually, and then it takes in the whole body of Christ. And notice how verse 10 then continues this thought, according to the grace of God, which was given to me. And Paul's speaking of himself. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. And so he's talking about this building that is the building of God, this ministry that is the ministry of God, the the church that is being built up in the world that's comprised of every single believer. And he says, I have a role in it. You have a role in it. If you're here tonight and you're a parent, You have a role in growing the kingdom of God in your own home. As a citizen, you grow the kingdom of God in your community. As someone who's here in the United States, you grow the kingdom of God in our country. And and it expands out to the world. And and so when we look at the Great Commission, when we look at that, uh, which is the, the mandate there in the book of Acts, that we are to go into all of the world. And as Matthew's gospel lays out from the words of Jesus himself, that we are to go therefore into all the world and to preach the gospel, the kingdom that we're seeking to build ultimately is the fullness and completeness of God's kingdom itself. The reason that Jesus came, he said and prayed that my kingdom or thy kingdom, because he's speaking to his father at that time, but thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is to heaven. In heaven, it is God's will that he build through us his kingdom here on this earth. And so we need to be building that kingdom God's way. We can't build it with things that aren't from the Lord. 
One of the reasons that I find it so problematic for the church to engage in processes, procedures, and philosophies that come from the world is you're not building with things that build God's kingdom. You're building with things that build the world's kingdom. And we're going to get into some of those tonight. We have to build God's way. Notice how this continues. Another builds on it. So as someone built into my life and I then get to build on other people, we're building that kingdom. But let each one of us take heed how he builds on it. He says, take a moment and consider exactly how you're building on the foundation and then notice what the foundation is. For no other foundation can anyone lay but that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ultimately, every single church, every single believer, every part of the body of Christ is built on a single foundation. That foundation is none other than Jesus. The Apostle Paul is going to give us a lesson here in proper construction technique with that regard. God gave him grace to preach this message. And so as he does that, Uh, He's talking about this incredible foundation that was laid in your life when you believed the gospel. When you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became, you can kind of look at it like a brick in the building that is God. This wonderful thing called the church. But in your life, just like a brick has to be fired, just like a brick has aggregate put in it so that it will be structurally sound, Your life is comprised of certain things that make it strong individually because if you take a weak brick and put it in a strong wall, then you end up with a weak wall. And worse yet, if you take a whole bunch of strong bricks and you put them on some other foundation that is not strong, then the whole building falls over. And so in view here is the life of every individual believer as well as the foundation which we're told here is none other than Jesus so that the building that gets built is one that honors the Lord. It comes from sound teaching and sound doctrine. It comes from attention to God's word. It is your individual character in Christ. One of the things that constantly Uh, invades the Lord's world and his building on this planet is when people who profess Christ do not act like believers. Uh, And they begin to build with something that's not from the Lord at all. And so ultimately the building of God gets tarnished. The, The building of God gets tagged in that sense. It's like probably most of you have experienced that. Every once in a while someone will tag the front of the church. You know, they throw up their sign on there, and it's like, man, that just doesn't belong there. That's a picture of sin in the life of a believer. You you shouldn't be tagged either. There shouldn't be something on you or in you or comes out of you that does not represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's unbefitting the building of God. That's why language that comes out of the sewer shouldn't come out of the mouth of the child of God. That's why behaviors that come from this world should not come out of the child of God. That's why what you do with your time and your talent and your treasure matters because it is building either the kingdom of this world or it's building the kingdom of God, his building. And so it's very important How you build, we must build God's way. And by the way, Jesus uses this exact same picture in a little different way in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And it begins this way, And therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus speaking in this passage, he says, if you're listening to what I'm saying, is another way to clarify it in our minds, and does them, Now notice, that's the James principle. Do not be just a hearer only of the word, but be a doer of the word. Amen? Amen. So it's not about just hearing it, because a lot of people hear the word of God, but they don't do the word of God. So there's a combination of taking it in and then doing something with it, being a hearer and a doer simultaneously. The person who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him or her... Unto a wise man, a wise woman, 
who built his or her house on the rock. Amen? That's a firm foundation. I had an opportunity when I was still in business. We, uh, if you've ever driven down the 15 south towards San Diego, you pass through an area of north San Diego County. Right before you hit the Riverside County line, there's a Border Patrol checkpoint there on the, on the uh, 15 going south. That's the little community of Rainbow. Rainbow is famous for two things. There's a restaurant called the Rainbow Cafe that serves the best biscuits and gravy that you will ever taste. And then the other thing is rock. The whole community is built on giant slabs of granite. And I remember we actually picked up a job working for this guy who actually had a business here in Santa Fe Springs. And he decided to buy the top of a mountain that was nothing but an in its entirety, rock. It took them three and a half years to lay the foundation. They drilled, they blasted, they they put this entire house, and ultimately he had his entire house completely hanging out over a cliff. And you can see it today, it's still there. You would get in that house and you're like, I don't think I want to eat dinner in here. Because this looks like it's going to go right off this cliff. But because of the foundation, because of the rock to which it was built, it was perfectly stable. That's the picture here that Jesus is using. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them, in other words, they are the deceivers that James talks about. Those who hear the word and do not do it, deceive themselves, will be like the foolish man. Who built this house on sand? Now, I don't know how many of you have ever wandered out through the Kelso Dunes or maybe out to Glamis and watched people park just their RVs on sand. Um, All you have to do is have something go by and the vehicle, the RV begins to shake and all of a sudden it's starting to tilt over. Uh, Sand is not stable, it moves. Matter of fact, just vibration will move sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus picks up the same theme here that Paul is talking about, and it's really these two kinds of life. It's these two foundations. It's these two areas of trust, and ultimately it's going to become two types of building materials that we're going to get to in a moment. You see, the foundation of the church is the rock that is Jesus. Amen? Amen. The foundation of the world is the sand that is the enemy. And you have to make a choice upon which foundation you will build your life. We must make a choice upon which foundation we will build his church. And if we will build on the rock the foundation that is Jesus, then the building will stand when the bad weather comes. But if you build your life and we build the church on sand, when the storm comes and the wind blows and the rains beat down, then whatever you build is going to go with the storm. So the picture is you can either be safe in the storm or you can, be afraid, you can be afraid of the storm. That's your choice. Now, Connie and I like to travel around here in California and hike and fish and do those kind of things. One of our places that we go is the ghost town of Bodie. If you've never been there, when you go to Bodie, uh, it's the largest ghost town left in existence in the entire United States of America. And you'll find most of the people there are from Europe. Because they want to go to a western ghost town. And so they they show up at Bodie and they're wandering everywhere. And you can go in and some of the buildings still have all the furnishings in there. 
There was a gold rush, the gold dried up, and people just left because it's in the middle of nowhere out to the north of Mono Lake. It is desolate, and in the winter, the winds blow. It gets 50 below zero out there. But interestingly enough, because it was built very quickly and abandoned very quickly, a vast majority of the buildings, just like this one, you kind of need to be slightly out of balance to stand up straight in them. Because they have no foundation. Many of them are leaning 10, 15, even 20 degrees. And for those of you that are builders, that's a whole lot out of whack. So if you're standing up straight and you walk through a door, if you're on one side, your head's going to hit the other side of the door frame. You see, the, the foundations were little stones put underneath the corners or maybe some logs or possibly a beam laid on dirt. And when the winters came and the rains came and the snows came and the freeze-thaw cycles came and a few years went by, every single building looks pretty much like that one. They're all leaning. You see, when you build on something that's not solid, you can count on it also not lasting. There's no building in the ghost town of Bodie that's over 150 years old. There's not one, which isn't all that old. Compare that to when we were in Europe, when we lived in Austria, we visited the St. Stephen's Dome. It's in Vienna. It's one of the largest Gothic buildings left in the world. That building was started in 1136, as in slightly in the middle of, but not at the beginning of, the Crusades. The original foundation was laid on solid rock. That tower is over 465 feet tall. The cathedral itself can hold over 5,000 people. That building was built on rock. Bodie's not 150 years old. The St. Stephen's Dome is 900 years old. And still standing straight and proud and people still worship in it today. Massive. The difference is largely the foundation. What was the building built on? You see, if you built that cathedral on the same thing that they built the houses on in Bodhi, that cathedral would be in the Danube River, which is a few blocks over. But that cathedral is built on solid rock. We need to build, and we need to be careful with our construction. And I want to tell you that we'll pick up in verse 12 now. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. And so you have two types of building materials here. Each one's work will be clear. You see, you have a choice. I have a choice. We have a choice. The church has a choice. The church in the world has a choice, collectively, about how we're going to build on the one foundation. Because you can also have the good foundation and build with really crummy materials. Wood, hay, and straw. Each one's work will become clear before, before, excuse me, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And so we need to be careful about the construction. I want to be, you know, I'm just going to be blunt here. I've heard pastors quote this passage of scripture and apply it to themselves. The foundation is never a man. The foundation is never a movement. The foundation is never never a style of ministry. The foundation is not a person on this earth. The foundation is Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? You build on that, you'll be good. You, You build on me. Or you build on any man, no matter how good they are. And the reason we know that is the example is given at the end of this passage, and that's Apollos and Paul and Peter. 
Now, I'm pretty sure those were pretty godly guys. They are apostles, after all. Amen? They, they were leaders in the early church. You know, I, I don't know about Apollos, but I think being taught by Paul himself kind of puts you up in a hierarchy. You would say, man, that's pretty good. It's like I was Billy Graham's assistant. You know, I sat around with Pastor Chuck for almost a quarter of a century. I would say, well, I got you know, some pretty good training there. But the foundation is Jesus. And so this is about the materials with which we build on the one foundation. Because you can begin to build on the one foundation and, and be a really crummy contractor, so to speak. And so you can have that which is built on the rock and using good materials or that which is built on sand and use poor materials and you're going to get two totally different results. The choice is yours. What you build with and how you build is up to you. You see, I I can teach all day the Bible. I can give you what it says and I can hopefully interpret it correctly and, and hand it to you, but you have to choose what you are going to do with that. It's up to you to build well. Because you're building your own life individually, you're building your family, you're building part of this church, this church is building part of the church, the big church, the one church. And so each of us has a responsibility to build with eternal value, biblical value, Christian value, clearly Jesus-oriented value, and not the things that are of this world. You see, you can't build God's house with wood, hay, and straw. And it's a picture. It's a word picture. Because here's what's going to happen. One day, that's all going to get judged. And when the fire of God's judgment falls upon it, it's going to burn. And whatever that part of the wall was, it's going to go with it. Or you can build with these things which are eternal. Gold, silver, jewels, fire comes to those, they just stand there and laugh. They'll withstand the heat of the judgment. And so he's saying, look, do this right. And so there's really, if you look at the NLT in verse 13 there, there's going to come a time, it says, of testing, of judgment at the end to see what kind of work... Each builder has done, and everyone's work's going to be put through the fire. It will be clear. It, it, you're, you're going to know it for what's left after it gets tested. I want everything we do to stand the test. There's a reason that last Thursday, instead of being here, I was in El Salvador. That was not for my comfort, that was not because I needed more airline miles. It was because hopefully we were building the kingdom. We're investing in the lives of people with the truth of the gospel. We're we're ministering to those who are not being ministered to by almost anybody else. We're sharing with them the truths that they need so that they can build in their own churches. We're building the kingdom. That's the only reason we went. It wasn't for fame. It wasn't for fortune. It wasn't to sell books. It wasn't to do anything other than build the kingdom of God. And I believe the Lord was honored by it. We want to build his kingdom. We want to be careful in that construction. You see, you're going to be one day judged by what you did with the so great a salvation that you have. Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross to put us, as Pink Floyd said, just another brick in the wall. Sorry, it just came to me. (laughs) But ultimately you are. You're just another brick in the wall, amen? That's who you are. But you were paid for. Your brick is expensive. It cost Jesus his life. It cost Jesus his life to make you a brick. And so that means every single part of the wall is valuable. 
And the whole wall is valuable. And ultimately, the building of God is valuable. The whole thing is valuable. So be careful what you stick in the wall of your life and in the wall that you're responsible for in your area. Because one day the Lord's going to say, Jeff, what would you do with all those things I gave you? What did you do with that responsibility? What did you do with the time that I gave you to stand in the pulpit to reach people, that time I gave you in the mission field to go bless those people? What did you do with the resources, the money, the time, the talent, and the treasure? Jeff, what did you do with all of that? Because it wasn't actually yours, Jeff. It was always mine. And I ask you to build my kingdom with it. You're going to give an account. Now here's the good news for you as a believer. It's not going to be de- to determine your salvation. That's sealed by grace through faith on the blood of Christ and the merit of his sacrifice. But it is for reward. You know, for me, I'd like to get a few construction awards. I'd like to have something to put on my mantle in my mansion in heaven. It's like I did something for Jesus that mattered kind of award. Now, I'm going to take that and give it to Jesus because I won't deserve it. But the bottom line is I'd like to get it so I have something to give to him. So I want to be careful how I build. There needs to be something that's going to be of worth. In other words, I need to be a careful contractor, a good workman, one who's looking for quality, not just quantity. You see, we live in a consumeristic world. We live in a world that's like, and, and I'm not trying to you know, say that everything that comes from China is, is not good, but let's face it, when you go to Walmart, you, you, pretty much the whole store came from China, Right? So if, if you want those types of things, you can go and you can pay a little less money for them. But if you want something really good that's going to last a while, you're probably going to go buy your furniture at Ethan Allen or something like that. And again, I'm only using this for comparison. I recognize that people have different financial abilities, and please don't take it that far. But for illustrative purposes, there's a difference between the build-it-yourself furniture in Walmart and the really nice Ethan Allen gallery furniture, amen? And you can tell by what it costs, amen? So here's your little table that you get at Walmart. It's $29.95. You put it together with a couple of screws. It's good. It's, it's perfect for what you need it for. But you buy that same thing at Ethan Allen, it's $2,754. You know what I'm saying. It's like the Shekinah comes right on it when you... Have it in your house. It's a matter of quality, isn't it? It's handcrafted. Fine woods. You see, that's the picture here. A good workman uses good materials. And a poor workman doesn't care, just wants to kind of get the job done. And so you don't really care what you use. And maybe a little bit of carnality goes into your building. Maybe a little bit of the world's principles goes into your building. Maybe a little less than the holiness of God. You see, the picture is when that building gets tested, there's going to be some holes in the building because some of it's going to burn. It's not going to stand the test. We're using faulty methods and faulty materials. We're using secular principles and the world's philosophies. One of the fun things about being a pastor of a church of our size is I get a lot of really interesting mail. And I can't tell you how many times I open things up and it's like, we can increase your attendance by 50%. And so I'll read through them. And it's like, you know, they want to brand you guys. They, they literally want us to create a database, and you know, it's like you have a little stamp, and when you come through the door, this is no joke, it will actually physically register you coming into the church and send you an alert to your cell phone, it's time to give. <laughs> I 
I'm kind of thinking if we got to do that, then you probably don't want to be here. Those are worldly principles. I give to the Lord, my family gives to the Lord as an act of worship to the God that's given us everything. That's why I give. I don't give because somebody told me to. And that's the only reason you should give. You love Jesus, you love what the Lord's doing in this church, and you want to support it. Not because I make you feel uncomfortable by having an alarm go off on your cell phone. Oh, I got in the church, I got to give. Like somebody's got to know, my alarm went off. You know, what's next? Barcode on your forehead? Pretty sure that's the mark of the beast right there. We have to be careful because pretty soon those things creep in and we start building God's church with stuff that doesn't belong in His church. We build with the Word of God. And what the Word of God says, that's what we build with. And that's how we build. You see, because there's going to be a final inspection on our building. Verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. You'll get that reward for building well, for using the right materials, for being a quality workman for the kingdom of God. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer the loss, but he himself will be saved as though through fire. He's not talking about us using, because we do, we use Instagram, we use Facebook. We're not talking about things that just simply are tools that we can use. We're talking about things that honor the Lord and things that don't honor the Lord. And notice it's very clear, this is not a salvation issue. This is a what kind of building issue are you building issue? Because the Lord's going to inspect the building. I say, hey, what, what, what's this? Why did you do that, Jeff? And the picture is this. You can imagine that building that I showed you in Bodhi catching fire. How long do you think it would take to burn that to the ground? 30, 40 seconds? It's going to go up. It, that's a, that is a matchstick waiting for ignition is what that is. That's wood, that's wood, hay, and stubble right there. Now, little confession, because the statute of limitations has run out from when I was 12. <laughs> but like many young men, I had an affinity for fire and fireworks. Anybody men in here say amen? <laughs> we like to burn things and blow stuff up. It's just the way we are. I, I, I don't know why, but I know it's true. And my friend and I decided that we had this brilliant idea because my father had gone to Mexico and returned with what we call illegal fireworks. (laughs) And everyone knows that if you have one firecracker, that four must be better than one. And so you put them together and you duct tape them, or at the time it was electrical tape, and then you twist the fuses together and you throw them in the middle of the dirt road so they can blow up and make a larger explosion. Little did we know that they would not all detonate at the same time. And it blew it immediately into the wood, hay, and stubble, also known as tumbleweeds, that were dry and brown. And before you know it, anybody see where those kids ran to? Ten minutes later, 100 acres of tumbleweeds. Didn't do anything but burn tumbleweeds. Wasn't that big of a deal. (laughs) Sweated that one out in the garage for a while. It went up like that. I mean, instantaneous. We were just standing there and all of a sudden, That's what will happen when you get to heaven at the Bema seat and you have built God's kingdom with wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to take one second and gone. 
But the opposite is also true. You see, if you build with gold and silver and precious stones, when that fire comes, it's just going to stand. It's going to be burnished. It, It will withstand the heat and it will still be beautiful. And so to explain this, he wants to drive it home personally. Notice verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so very personal at this point, but still quite corporate as well. You, we, us, individually, are the temple of God. And you're supposed to shine for Jesus. You're supposed to be imperishable because he's imperishable. Scripture says it this way, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You see, God wants us to be like he is. Because God dwells in us. He has taken our lives and he's poured his own Holy Spirit into us. Think about that for a second. That every single one of you who is in this room tonight, that are believers, which is the vast majority of you, Every one of you is a building block of the kingdom of God into which the Lord has placed the treasure that is his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit in you, the treasure of God. So what are you going to do with that treasure? What are you going to build with that treasure? What's going to come out of your life? from the investment made in you of the treasure that is the Lord? That's the question. Your body is to be used to that end. Uh, And this is a common theme throughout the entirety of Scripture. We'll get to it again in 2 Corinthians. Uh, And Paul is going to say there, for what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Uh, and he says there in, in the 6th chapter of 2 Corinthians, for we are the temple of God, the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. You are the visible representation of this beautiful God that has saved us. So we're supposed to be very careful about how we represent the Lord. Any of you have children that have ever done anything that you kind of went, that is not my child. (laughs) You know how that feels. I think we all have as parents. That's kind of part of the process, isn't it? Our children grow. But there's those times it's like, no, no, that Amber Alert is not my child. Or, you know, when they lock down Walmart and you can't find, you're running around and all of a sudden you find out that they've been hiding inside of one of the clothes racks in the clothing section and they watch you go by frantically like 45 times. At first it's, this is not my child and it's going to, I'm going to kill this child when I get home. Lovingly, but they're going to die. You know what I'm saying. You're just like, that's not my kid. Why? Because you would like to think that you raised them better. That they know better than that. And so they shouldn't do something that belies the fact that they have been raised well. Multiply times infinity, if you can do such a thing, which you can't. Mathematically, anyway. But stretch it out to infinity. And now imagine the treasure that's invested in you. And when we build something that is not indicative of the one who saved us, what God thinks. I paid my son's life for that. And again, he still loves you, but it shames him. He's going, I, wow. So be careful. Take care of the temple 
And for an unbeliever, you can add the or else on the end to it. End of it. You see, for an unbeliever, if they're not careful, if they don't come to that place where they submit themselves to being a brick in the temple of God, then it's going to cost them their eternity. Separated from the Lord. Verse 17, for if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. That's pretty clear where he's going with that one. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You see, God created us for a purpose. And there does come a point in time when he expects us to actually act like his children, live like his children, be like his children, build like his children. It should not be an option in the believer's life to actually grow up, which ties us into last week. Maturity is not something that should be an elective course in the life of a believer. Well, I'd like to mature, but I'm just not into that kind of thing. Now we need to mature. We need to grow. We need to make Father God proud of the investment that he made in our lives through Jesus Christ. God shouldn't be going, oh, wow. You know, I love Jeff because of grace, but whoo. Sure wish he'd lived somewhere else in some other universe. No, he shouldn't be saying that. He shouldn't be thinking that. And of course, I'm speaking figuratively only because he will not cast out those who are his. He's not like he's going to take his kids and kick them out of the family. But I think there are times when there's an awful lot of bricks that are kind of dirty. When you lay block, when you lay brick, especially if you're doing interior brickwork, you have to be kind of careful with the bricks because if you get, the, get, you get concrete on them, it's tough to get that concrete off the face of the brick. And it, you can sit there and scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub, and it's still there's a little bit of a stain there. The secret is don't get dirty in the first place. Be purposeful about your construction. Take care of your temple, your own personal temple. You shouldn't be destroying it. You know, sometimes when I talk to people about issues in areas of their life where they've got a sin problem, that's really what's happening. They're destroying the temple of God. They're taking that which Christ died for, which is you, all of you, by the way, your body, your mind, and your spirit. He died for the whole of you, and you're using it for something that's unholy. You're living a life that's unpleasing to him. That's a dirty brick. And God doesn't like it. Make no mistake about this here. God expects his bricks to stay clean. Now, praise God for grace when we do get dirty. Amen? But you shouldn't be intentional about getting dirty all the time. God paid for your life With the blood of his own son. That makes you a highly valuable commodity in the kingdom. I remember we were doing this window wall in a house in Rancho Santa Fe. And it overlooked the Pacific Ocean. And and the whole of this window wall, which is over 400 feet long, wrapped around the whole front of this property. This guy bought teak and had it shipped to Southern California from the Philippines. Had it all milled. And it was inside of his garage. And all of a sudden, somebody got the brilliant idea because it was kind of hard to get in and out of the garage to put it out in the yard. It rained. It had not been sealed. Every last piece was ruined. Stained. Because of an error in judgment. Don't let an error in judgment stain you for the rest of your days. 
you see that wood, we could sand it down. We ended up having to stain it a darker color to be able to use it. You see, it was serviceable, it was usable, but it did not end up being what it was intended to be, which is this naturally beautiful teak that just had oil on it. It never got that opportunity. It had to be something else. That's what sin does in the life of a believer. Well, God forgives it, and you're still going to heaven. But you may not be able to be all that God intended you to be. You may have to be something else. You may have to do something else. God had a perfect plan, but because you were not careful in taking care of the temple, because you stayed out in the rain when you should have been dry in the garage, because you tested the Lord to see whether he really meant what he said and said what he meant, you got stained. Take care of the temple. For an unbeliever, it's very clear what he's saying here. Don't do it or it could cost you your eternity. We're supposed to follow God's plans. He's a wise builder. He knows what he's doing. Have you ever thought about the fact that he chose you before the foundation of the world? He, he, he didn't make a mistake in doing that. He chose you. He chose me. He handpicked his bricks. And again, I'll use a building analogy. When, when you go to, you know, you go to Modern Block, you go someplace, if you want to handpick the color of things, or used to be when you went to most lumber yards, if you wanted to hand select individual boards, you paid more for it. You didn't get the opportunity to go, well, I'd like this, but I don't, I don't like it. Can we set that one aside? No, you paid for the whole lift of lumber, and you got the whole lift of lumber, and if inside there was a bunch of stuff that you didn't like, that was just too bad. God hand-selected every last one. He looked down every edge and said, perfect. And he selected you before the foundations of the world were laid. He created you in Christ Jesus for good works so that you should walk in them. Amen? You're precious to God. Be precious for God. Be holy for God. Be what God wants you to be. Follow his plans. You see, no matter how wise, notice verse 19, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of those who are wise, that they are futile. You see, you can follow your own plan. But it will never be as good as God's plan. Never. And again, he, he, he has a perfect plan for you. God catches the wise in their craftiness. Any of you ever been caught in your own craftiness? I have. It's like, I got this figured out. God, I don't need you on this one. I got this. I'm not listening. Don't you hate that when your children do that when they're small? Uh, we do that to God sometimes, don't we? I'm not listening. Here's what I know will happen. God's going to be right, and you're going to be wrong. That's what's going to happen. You'll get caught. And so it's better to have God's wisdom all the way along. Ask him what he wants. Do what he says. When you read the word, you see it, and it applies to you, do it as best as you possibly can. Be a good brick. Verse 21. And therefore let no one boast in men. Oh, in Jesus' name. We have one king, his name is Jesus. We have one savior, his name is Jesus. We have one creator, his name is Jesus. We don't boast in men. 
wonderful, and God uses men. God uses clay pots. God uses women. He, he uses us as vessels into which he pours treasure. But let no one, therefore, boast in men. For all things are yours. You ever thought about this? You're one day going to inherit the king's kingdom as a full guarantee that God has made to you. You will one day inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty awesome. That means the whole enchilada is yours. Amen? And the burrito and the chili relleno and the flan, all of it. Every last, the whole thing's yours already. You own it all. You just haven't gotten it yet, but one day you're going to get it. So don't be in a hurry to get it now. Just get what God gives you right now and use it for his glory and know this, that one day it's all yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, and so he, he reminds us that these were great guys. These were godly men. These were wonderful saints of old. They were holy men. They were men that absolutely authoritatively were used of God and spoke into people's lives and he led them they led them to faith in Christ but they were not the savior and that's the point you, you see we shouldn't be worshiping men we worship God and here's why you see if you begin to worship men god forbid that anything happens to the man you're stuck without a God. But if you worship Jesus, no matter what happens to the man, you still have the same God. So just skip the middle man, just worship Jesus. Amen? Amen. God uses men, and, and praise the Lord that he does. And we're delighted to be able to be used. I consider that a privilege. But all men are imperfect. Every last one of us has weaknesses and warts, bumps and bruises, things we do well and things we don't. So worship Jesus. Or the world, notice how he goes on, he says, look, don't, whether it's Cephas or Apollos or Paul, or the world, or life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. And so he, he ends this chapter by saying, if you follow God's master plan, then you inherit the master's kingdom. And that's worthy of the work. So let's do that work. Amen? Amen. We'll just stand and we'll pray together. Worship team's going to come back up. Pastors are going to come forward, be available for prayer if you need uh, prayer. So... Father, we thank you that you use bricks like us. Lord, sometimes I think we all feel like we're about as dense as bricks, but maybe not as useful. And so we pray that you'd make us useful, Lord, for your kingdom. That where we need instruction, you'd instruct us. Where you need to change us, change us. If you need to reshape us into something else so that we can fit some specific place, then please do so. Lord, we want to build your way. We thank you that you're patient and kind and gentle with your bricks. And so, Lord, as we commit our way unto you tonight, we pray that you would just take us and fashion us into something wonderful and beautiful for your kingdom's sake, for your name. We ask all this in the blessed name of Jesus. And God's people all said, Amen. Amen. Amen.